You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Listening to the Animal Party with your host Deborah Wolf, and today we were going to have Darlene Arden come on and debate and represent the cats and talk about all their virtues and argue and and just go back and forth a little bit with Dr. Stanley Corin, professor of psychology, who's the author of many dog books, and he was here to represent the dog. But for some reason, in her cat-loving way. I guess the cat expert didn't want to come to the party today. <laughs> now, of course, the dog expert showed up on time, disciplined, where he's supposed to be, you know. So I guess I'm going to have to pull double duty here and be the host and also defend the cats a little bit, which I don't mind one bit because I'm a dog and cat person, as you all know. So we'll start the show. We'll be talking about, you know, what's worse, litter box or scooping. Is a cat kiss really that awful? Well, the dog kiss isn't great either to a lot of people. I happen to like both. But we'll be talking about some serious things too, like why do cats hate dogs or why do dogs hate cats more likely? And um, well, we'll just get going with this show. I know that people who grow up with cats don't always want to have cats, whereas people who grow up with dogs always want to have dogs. So we'll talk to Dr. Korn about that. Is that really true? Seems like it's true. In his book, he spells it all out for us. So welcome to the show, Dr. Corin, representing dogs. Welcome to the show today. Hi. I'm here. But, you know, cats are always hard to find when you want them around the house. So. Well, you know what? People have told me many, many times that you cannot call a cat. And there's even some verses in Jewish scripture and Torah that talk about how, you know, back before in the garden, all the animals could be called and the, the difference now is cannot be called and all this different stuff about how they can't be called. And so I'm often asked, you know, is it true that you can call a cat? And yes, you can call a cat. You can call a cat. I can call a cat. I've, oh, I've got to demonstrate this on YouTube. You can call a cat, and that's true. And probably there are cats being called by name and with the word come and showing remarkability to come when called uh, on YouTube if you look. But it happens to me every day. I call my cats. Now, there's a special noise I use to get them to come out when they're shy or they've just been startled. And it's the same noise that a mama cat would make when she's feeding cats. And it's kind of a, almost like a trill and like a purr at the same time. It's sort of like a kind of a noise. And I make that noise. And then they all come running. Now, I've also made that noise whenever I feed them. So they associate the two things together. But I also can say to my cat, lion, come. Or angel, come, you know, by name, and they will. So you just have to have the right relationship with your cat to have a cat come. And <laughs> same's true with a really smart dog. Really smart dog won't come if you don't have a good relationship, wouldn't you say? Oh well, you know, dogs are into, uh, for the most part. I mean, they're hopeful, so you know, <laughs> because maybe something edible will happen. <laughs> Oh, um, you know what? This I didn't plan to ask you about this, but when you say dogs are hopeful, this ties into something I've been observing over the years, and I wanted to ask you about it. I've been meaning to for a couple of years now. When I pet most dogs, mm-hmm. like um, any, a golden retriever, say, a just great example, but any dog, when I pet them, right before I pet them, they know I'm going to pet them, and they're anticipating me petting them, and they get so excited, thump, 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 thump. But the second I touch them, 
that almost seems to be less rewarding for them than the anticipation because usually the tail stops. What's going on with that? How come they like well, it so much right before? And then... They, ah. they do like it, but you have to remember that tail wagging, part of the, the essence of tail wagging is excitement. And part of the essence of being petted and stroked is relaxation. So right. the tail stops wagging because they relax once you start to pet them. It's okay, not that so you're no longer happy. It's, it's just the mood has shifted slightly from anticipation, which is exciting, to relaxation, which is... <sighs> because cats keep purring. They don't stop. They just purr louder when you touch them. So it was That's kind right. of an interesting contrast. Yeah. So how come it seems people who grow up with dogs always want dogs, and I don't seem to see the same thing with cats? Your book talks about that. Do you want to explain to everybody what's going on there? Well, it... You have to understand that, generally speaking, dogs are more sociable than cats. So they sort of hang around you a lot, and they want to interact with you all the time. You know, cats can sort of take you or leave you, depending upon their mood at the at the time. And it seems to be the case that, you know, once you've had a dog, you want another one, because, you know, you want that companionship. You know, you like the... It's, it's sort of Dogs have sort of suckered us in, in some ways. I mean, they have this way of, you know, when you're talking to them, you know, cocking their head on the side and looking at you in the way which says, you know, that's the cleverest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I wish I could have thought of that, <laughs> you know, kind of look. And, and we do find that sort of rewarding. On the other hand, cats are very often like furniture. I mean, you know... If Ooh, oh, I don't like that they're not like furniture. Oh, and people who get them and don't give them anything, any play, any time, any interest... The cat becomes well, aloof because it's it's given up on you, you know. Well, no. and, and it's also the case usually that in the house, in a house, you know, there's usually one major caretaker for cats, and right. that caretaker is the one who tends to do most of the interacting with cats. Whereas dogs are are much more intrusive in the fact that they, <laughs> they want everybody in the family to pay attention to them. So if you grew up in a house where there was a cat, but it was, you know, not your cat, let's say it was your mother's cat or something like that, then, you know, you grow up not getting very much affection from it. So, uh, you know, you, you might not think about having another cat because, you know, the cat was simply something which you saw on the sofa with your mom a lot, not something which you were uh, interacting with a lot. So it's, it really has to do with, with the desire that people have for sociability, for socializing. And dogs are just a bit more sociable uh, overall. But there are some cats. And, you know, I always have about five or six. Right now I'm at six. There's always one in the group, and right now there's two, that just adore attention, affection, will get it from anyone who visits, love the children, love all the members of the family. They're kind of the, the love cushion. They park themselves wherever there's going to be most of that going on. Like they go to bed with each of the kids at bedtime and move once the kids asleep and then move again and then move again. So they're always with the most you know, chance of being touched. I mean, that's kind of an exception to your rule though, right? Yeah, well, but it also depends upon the specific type of cat. So, for example, you know, the ginger cat, the orange and white cat, the ones which have the little traditional M or W on their forehead, they're genetically quite different. First of all, 95% of them are male. 
And second of all, they're wonderful with dogs. I mean, you know, when we have cats in, in my house, it's, it's always the orange cats because they get along so well with dogs. They're, they're not great with other cats, but they're wonderful with dogs. And and if you're going to get a mush bucket of a cat, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, those are very often the ones who turn out to be the mush buckets over there. Um, well, you know what? The two I have, they're both males and they're both tabbies. One orange and one's orange, one's gray, but not all tabby, but mostly tabby. And they both have that M. I really like it interesting active, playful, affectionate cat. I like a cat who will come and do things. And so when I rescue cats, I mean, there's always so many to choose from. You can choose one that's more interactive or less interactive. And I tend to pick the ones that other people might regard as trouble, escape artists, that kind of thing. So they're already showing some inclination to interacting and, you know, using their brains a little bit to show people what they can do. So I I pick a little bit, but um, but they are just rescue run-of-the-mill cats. There's nothing fancy about the cats. When we come back, we're going to go to break right now, but when we come back, I'm going to ask Dr. Korn, why does it seem like dogs hate cats? We'll be back. Stay tuned to the party with Deb Wolf on Pet Life Radio. Don't go anywhere, because the best is yet to come. Stick around. Buster. You're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition. I guarantee it. Petco. With healthy pets go. Enter the code PARTY10, P-A-R-T-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum. At Petco.com. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. Is the best, most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website PetLifeRadio.com Click on Sponsorship Information There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available Aquariums and pond keeping are among the most popular of all hobbies in the United States and throughout the world In fact, fish are probably the most numerous pet in people's homes and in their businesses In Aquarium Mania, we'll learn more about the secret and not-so-secret life of fish and other inhabitants, the basics of good aquarium keeping, the complexities of the aquarium industry, and the science and art that surround this fascinating hobby. I'm your host, Roy Anong, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Aquarium Mania. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're, you're, you're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. Welcome back to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. We've got Dr. Stanley Corrin, author of Intelligence of Dogs and many, many other books, including Born to Bark. And he's here to help us understand... The relationship, the tension, are cats better than dogs, are dogs better than cats? And now I'm going to ask him, 
Is it true? Do dogs, unless they're otherwise trained, do they have some kind of natural inclination to just bug cats? What's going on there? Well, part of it is, you know, one aspect of it is that, that the cat's natural inclination whenever trouble arises is to run. And dogs chase things that run. So, I mean, you know, that's a sort of built-in uh, behavior. But one of the real problems is that uh, dogs and cats tend to use exactly the same signals, you know, in communication. But they, these signals very often mean exactly the opposite. So, for example, when a dog slicks his ears down, so imagine you're looking at a, at a, a German Shepherd, okay? okay? And his ears sort of go horizontal. That means that that dog's feeling insecure. Whereas in cats, when they are, are aggressive, when they're showing aggression and threatening, they yeah, flatten their ears flat. into those airplane wings. Um, Horses too, interestingly, right? Horses do the same thing. They flatten their ears back when they're really angry. That's right. But, you know, if, if you have a dog and he looks at a cat and the ears are flat, he thinks, oh, well, this cat is no threat. Um, <laughs> you, and so Wrong. he steps forward and he's got a face full of, you know, fangs and claws. Uh, cat and on, the, yeah. on, the, on the other hand, you know, if a dog holds his tail, you know, straight up, that's a sign of dominance. You know, it means I'm boss. Yeah, if it's stiff. Up, if it's really stiff, the, what you're talking that, about. Not the dog that's like loop-de-loop-de-loop-de-loop, waggy-daggy. No, the dog it. that's like stuck straight up, like it's got that, a string right, attached or, to it. Or, or curled over its, its back, that sort of thing. But in cats, that is the most friendly um, gesture that you can get, is this tail straight up. So a cat sees a dog with its tail straight up, and he says, oh, well, he's being friendly. And so he goes over, and the next thing he knows, you know, he's, he's, he's being growled and barked at. And so he'll never trust another dog again as long as he lives. But you know um, what? If you raise them together, they learn this language very quickly. And then they can't yes, read other dogs. Uh, they, they learn this language for the animals that they live with. It's almost right. as though, you know, well, I've got this spooky animal that I'm living with who doesn't really understand the language, but I know what they mean. But the cat next door, they're going to respond the same way to misreading the signals. So that's one of the reasons why cats and dogs don't seem to get along is because they're, they're using different communication signals. And, but as you said, you know, if you bring them up together, they do get along quite fine. And, and, and sometimes you can get some wonderful friendships. You know, you know, even if you start late, it can be done. I have a standard poodle who really, for years, he chased the cats and bothered the cats and was frantic to get in the house after the cats. And one day he leapt over the dog barrier, which I didn't think he could leap over, and was, you know, harassing them. And I came in and decided, you know what, I'm done with this. You're going to get along with these cats. I'm a dog trainer and I'm done with this. It's ridiculous that I've spent this many years not training you to be nice to the cats. So I decided, all right, we're going to do it. That's it. You know, well, today's the day. And he's not chased the cat since. And he's like the cat fancier. He is fascinated with the cats. He's so funny. He wants to be with them. He wants to smell them. And he knows how to kind of retract his steps when he's too overwhelming for them because he's really interested. His nose is, you know, and he's a very large dog. So when he sniffs one end of them, he's kind of sniffing both ends of them. And they have to <laughs> deal with him. But, but, you know, sometimes he's too much and they'll, they'll get upset with him and he'll back up and in a very gentlemanly sort 
sort of way because he, he's so fascinated by them and the things they do on the cat scratch or the cat climber and just everything about them. So I have a couple of standard poodles now who are actually cat fanciers and they used to be really determined to catch and kill a cat, very determined. And I don't doubt they would have done it because they've, they've killed the other odd thing that they've caught here and there over their lives. Standard poodles are not exactly the wussy dogs people think they are. They can definitely, you know, kill a chicken or they could kill a squirrel quite easily. You know, this is the kind of thing. They're very fast. They jump very quickly and they are made to retrieve. But if you haven't taught them to retrieve live animals, then probably they would do quite a lot of damage. And when I was growing up, we had a squirrel problem. And my father used to encourage our standard poodle to chase the squirrels. And so he definitely killed many squirrels. And so it's definitely within the realm of possibilities. So I had to take it really seriously. But even as an older dog, this guy, he came right into line. He quite adores the cats now. So it doesn't have to be that way, right? Oh, no, 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 it doesn't have to be that way. And especially if they grow up together. For example, I had a flat-coated retriever uh, who came into my house at the age of eight weeks, and that same week we got an orange cat at seven weeks of age, and they grew up to be great buddies. For example, the cat slept on a window box uh, in our bedroom, and the dog slept on a big cedar chip uh, pillow beside the bed. And in the morning, this would only happen, uh, we have a big glass door out to a patio in our bedroom, and this would happen only on days when the when there was bright sunshine and the alarm clock went off, uh, the cat would jump down off of the window box and the dog would get us and he'd lick the cat all over and then he'd lay down beside the cat and the cat would clean his ears. So they did their morning ablutions together. Yes, yes, their little shower in the morning. That's so sweet. (laughs) Yeah, and the cat was the one who insisted on sunshine, I'm sure. Cats like a good sun bath because they are from the desert. They don't appreciate this rainforest stuff we've been dealing with over here. I was going to talk about Luongo today because I heard on the morning news that our wonderful goalie is making the seawall round today on the mm-hmm. day of the Stanley Cup Finals when he's going to bring home the cup for us all. He's making the round of the seawall, and people have written in chalk inspiring messages all around the seawall, and he's there with his hoodie just walking the seawall. And I keep thinking, oh, if he'd only asked me to supply him with a dog, i got a lot of dogs who would be happy to do that, walk with him, keep him safe, <laughs> keep the fans at a distance, you know. Sure wouldn't be a job for a cat, though. Not a job for a cat, walking with Luongo. So um, we actually have a, a puppy here right now named after a player and his name is Burroughs and when they first told me I thought oh no because it sounds like he's a digger you know but then I realized oh no Burroughs the hockey player <laughs> okay I can live with that because if he's a digger that's a lot of work for me you know I'd have good dog I don't want to have to train this dog for free what kind of other bad habits has he got sometimes when a dog checks in here and his name is Barkley that's all I need to know you know <laughs> jumper well, n- pumper n- n- Okay, I know what's going on over there. (laughs) Naming dogs after sports figures is apparently a fairly common kind of a thing. Sylvester Stallone, you remember the first two Rocky films? Oh, yeah. We had Rottweilers and German Shepherds named Rocky, 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 and then Rambo, 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 Rambo. Oh, for sure, I remember. Well, remember there was a, he had a um, bull mastiff in those, uh, which, you know, he, uh, Talia Shire had gotten for him as a as a gift, right? And the dog's name was Butkus, named after the uh, football player Nick Butkus, uh, and that was actually uh, Sylvester Stallone's own dog. <laughs> oh, interesting! So, and that was his name was Butkus. <laughs> 
you know, when I was trying to book you to do this debate, the dogs versus cats, at one point you told me that it's a little bit of a mistaken identity to think, or idea, to think that there's this identity of cat people and then this identity of dog people. Because in fact, you told me that most of the dog people are actually like me and like Darlene, they're people who like both. So yeah, can you it, explain that? Yeah, actually, it turns out to be the case that more than half, 56% of all dog owners also have a cat in the house. And that's quite remarkable. And it turns out that people who call themselves, you know, dog fanciers do seem to also, you know, like cats reasonably well. It's the individuals who consider themselves to be sort of exclusively cat people are the ones who tend not to like dogs as much. I mean, at least that's what the research seems to say. And your um, book, your latest book, kind of profiles them a bit. And I must say, it's not very complimentary of those people. But those are the people who are the, you know, the sort of exclusive cat people, uh, you know, right. who basically say, you know. Where's the love, Stan? You're not loving the cat people, I gotta say. Well, I mean, it, it, these, but these are the people who say, you know, if somebody says to you, you know, we've got this puppy here, and if, if somebody doesn't take him, then he's going to have to be put down. Uh, I mean, they're the ones who say, no, I won't take the puppy. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, in some respects, sort of, we're talking about a fairly exclusive kind of a group, because as I said, the vast majority of people, you know, just seem to like both of them. Although, they, I mean, there's strong preferences one way or the other. I mean, I have... You know, my house has had cats in it, uh, you know, for as long as I can remember. But, you know, if anybody asks me, I'm a dog person. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, right. it's my, my preferred company is a dog. But there are some exceptions. For example, there is a cat which is called the Maine Coon Cat. Yeah, and they're huge. They're big. Yeah, that's right. They're 20, 23-pound cats, right? But they think they're dogs. I mean, well, that's the size of a medium dog, and I bet you pound <laughs> for pound, you know, put it against a similar-sized dog in a battle, and there's no way the dog would win. Cats are really built well. Yeah, but these guys will learn basic obedience commands. I mean, they will learn their name, they will learn how to come and to sit and to lie down. I mean, they do it a bit less reliably than dogs do. But, you know, they actually learn this really quite well. So, I mean, you know, there is overlap. And, you know, a cat like that, uh, you know, I would be perfectly happy with. On the okay other hand, an Abyssinian who thinks that he's still a leopard, I mean, you know, maybe not so much. <laughs> I do like Abyssinians, though, for certain things. Like, they, they are known for, um, like, they'll play with their paws so you can get art projects with them. And they also like, like you're saying, like a leopard, they like mazes and things to jump through and go through. And once you've taught them one device, like a tunnel or a hoop, the second you set it up, they're darting through it. So they love it so much that maybe they're not trained and it just appears so because they love the sport. You set up the course, you let them go, they do it. But it's awfully border collie similar. You know, oh, yeah. the border, yep. this is very intense and they seem to really like it. So yeah, I don't but, know. But the critical dimension seems to be in part, you know, how sociable the animals are. I mean, let's go back in history, Okay. You know, dogs really early on, I mean, 14,000 years ago, we had dogs, uh, we have evidence that dogs were actually living in the houses and the camps of, of human beings. Cats were not domesticated until about 7,000 years ago, and that's when we had, you know, we started to have cities and granaries. And, and, and that was it. They had the granaries in over there. And of course, the rodents were just, just a disaster yeah. because not only did they eat the cream, but, the, but they soiled it. Yeah, I mean, you know, fouled mm. it. So cats were a godsend uh, at that point in time. But, 
you know, the cat was going to work by himself. I mean, you know, the cat is by is at night, you know, uh, catching mice and killing rats. And well, they are solitary hunters. Even though they like to live in colonies or groups or families, they are solitary hunters. And I think people often separate their kitten so young and don't expose it to other cats its whole life. And then they think it's solitary because it just doesn't have any skills. It's kind of unfair, really. But with dogs, we expect them, and in fact, enforce the fact that they have to be interacting with us all the yeah, time. Yeah, we do. And with so, other animals, we expect them to be social with other dogs. So we make so, that happen. And not all dogs are, because some breeds have been bred not to be, but also sometimes, like I'm saying with the cats, sometimes they're isolated at the wrong time in their puppy life, and they don't learn how to get on. And so they need to be taught. And that can happen at any time, but it gets harder and harder, especially with intact males. But the fact that you end up with cats then who, you know, are not particularly sociable and dogs who are very sociable, and cats, of course, are active, much more active during the night than they are during the day, whereas dogs are more active during the, the day. And that got cats into trouble in history. I mean, you know, one of the reasons why cats were considered to be, you know, in league with the devil is because they were active at night, <laughs> you know, when we weren't around and uh, would disappear by day and, and that sort of thing. So people became very suspicious because, of course, we all knew that devils and demons and ghosts all sort of hung around at night. I mean, you're not going to find one sort of sitting beside you in the bright sunshine on the deck in front of Starbucks. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> that might be exactly where you'd find some you know, yeah, well, there's, nasty there's some, thing. But yeah. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Okay, so we're going to come back in a second. We've got to go to commercial break again. We're going to come back. And let's see, what should we go with when we come back? Well, I, you know what? Before we go to break, I want to say we did another show just like this with Darlene Arden representing cats, and we were talking about dogs. And it's uh, so in the episodes of Pet Life Radio Animal Party, it's one back from this one. You can find it real easy. And just if you like this topic and you want to know about some of the other things we talked about, we talked about a lot of stuff last time. So check it out. It's really fun. And Darlene represents cats. But one of the things that was mentioned in that last show was you got a jab in near the end where you said cats weren't loyal. And, you know, there's no question that the loyalty of dogs can be measured more easily. But there was one cat who returned to its family, and it's a German cat, Minushk is its name, and it took it 61 days to travel 2,400 kilometers to find its family. So there are some cats who are very loyal. There was another one recently on Vancouver Island who uh, was thrown outside every night, which is a terrible thing to do to your cat in a place with coyotes and traffic. But anyway, it was thrown outside every night, like usual, sort of like the Fred Flintstone cartoon, and they did the same thing. But the man also cleaned out the fire, put all the embers in a bag, put it by the front door, closed the door, went to sleep, middle of the night, yowling and howling and meowing, and he was about to go out and kick the cat. He was so mad. And as he comes down the hallway to go out and find out why the cat's freaking out like this, he sees smoke billowing in the door. The bag had caught on fire, and the eaves had caught on fire, and the siding had caught on fire, and the cat was bravely standing there trying to wake up the family. So not all cats are disloyal, everybody. All right, we're going to commercial. We'll be back in a second, and we'll talk. I'm going to ask you about postal workers and dogs. We're going to talk about that when we come back because there's a big strike here in Canada and the postal workers might be denied their benefits. And I feel terrible for the posties who get bit. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Stay tuned to Animal Party with Pet Life Radio. Don't leave this party before it's over because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. 
Party on. Back in a few. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash party, P-A-R-T-Y, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed or email us at PetLifeRadio.com. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant nut and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery, or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. We're back at the party with Pet Life Radio. And I've always tried to train my dogs to be nice and heal and listen around mailmen and to actually make sure that and whenever I visit customers, they have good gates and latches and dogs are not out harassing mailmen. Because people who deliver the mail smell and seem to dogs like foreigners who go from house to house to house suspiciously leaving things. And they come, oh, they don't, they get barked at and told to leave and they still come. And then they return the next day. And it's very, very suspicious. And all the dogs in the neighborhood tell them, hey, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And then it's that dog's turn. He's here, he's here. And this goes on all the way down the block. So they're pretty on guard for the mail carrier. So you don't want them getting into any contact. And if you can, when your puppies are very young, teach them mail carriers are nice. Get them out there healing and playing and getting cookies from them. And you have to ask the mail carrier for their help with this. But the reason I'm talking about all this is because I feel terrible every time I'm called about a dog who's bitten a carrier. And I wonder if Dr. Corn has some experience with this. Yeah, actually, uh, every year or so, uh, the uh Postal Service has me come out and sort of give tips to the mail carriers and give a little talk and that sort of thing. Anyway, uh, one of the reasons why dogs continue to bark at the uh, mail carrier is because, you know, he comes to the door and they bark and he goes away. So that's very rewarding for them. So they're being reinforced every time. One of the things which, I mean, it's very funny. I mean, you know, part of the problem which we have here is dealing not only with the dogs and the individual postal workers, but dealing with the unions and the bureaucracy. What I had suggested, and this, and this was 10 years ago, and repeated it a number of times, 
was that uh, the mail carriers, you know, carry a pocket full of uh, some treats. And if they toss the dog a treat, the dog will come to anticipate their coming, but it's not a hostile thing. I mean, you know, here comes the cookie machine. And That would uh, change the whole tone of it all across the country. You know, and there would be some dogs who wouldn't be influenced. I know dogs, some of my standard poodles wouldn't touch the treat, but they'd still redefine their assessment of this visitor. They would not hate him so much. And in a number of cities, this has been done, and and this has worked, you know, uh, very nicely. I mean, an example of this is uh, in uh, Austin, Texas. I mean, you know, they had a, a big problem with posties being bitten by um, uh, dogs, and uh, they went into this treat thing, and the idea was that every time they saw a dog, uh, they would toss them a treat. Anyway, so I had suggested that, and and for a number of years, uh, the posties here did it, and then uh, last year, I went to go give them a talk, and I was chatting with them, and it turns out the union has now banned their carrying oh, and treats. And the, their argument, and which I think is an absolutely ridiculous argument, is, well, I mean, you know, if the regular mail carrier carries treats and then goes on vacation, there's a substitute carrier who who's there who doesn't have the treats and goes oh, to get no. angry and bite him, which is oh, the most no. stupid thing. It's <laughs> like Pavlov's dog. It's, it's like AO1Y, beginner studies in animal psychology. It doesn't have to happen every time for the dog to still think it's terrific. That's the that's, lesson there, right? I mean, exactly. oh my gosh, how can they not know this? Even well, if, the, in fact, the dog will be more pleased with the reward and more peaceful and happy toward mail carriers if it doesn't happen every time, strangely enough. Isn't that well, weird? But it's true, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, I, tr- I tried to argue with one of the union reps about this. And I said, you know, it's a mistake and that sort of thing. And the union rep said, and besides that, you know, we're not being reimbursed for the treats. I mean, like, how much does a handful of dog cookies oh, cost com- compared to surgery, compared to time okay. off work, <laughs> compared to stress leave, compared to PTSD and the things that they go through? And I feel terrible for them. I mean, imagine if you were bitten, really bitten. Even someone like me who adores dogs. I did a takedown with the RCMP once. I let them take me down for demonstration purposes with the dog in front of a crowd. And that, yeah. that was, it was, even though it was all positive and I wanted it to happen and everything, it was still a little bit hard for me the next few times I went in with very large aggressive dogs because I always knew theoretically what they could do to me. But for the first time, I actually knew what they could do to me, really, like my body knew. And I had to kind of overfight <laughs> that a little bit. I'd never had a fear of dogs, you know, but it was like, whoa. This you had thing, some black and blue marks, which you didn't something. expect. Oh, they threw me. They threw me like 18 feet, this dog. And I was padded up like the Michelin man. And it didn't matter. I had whiplash. It was like a car took me down. And this same dog I had been petting, you know, 15 minutes prior. Oh, is he so cute, you know, and giving him treats and everything. Like he was the meet the crowd dog, you know, the, the lovely yep. little schmoozy look at my tummy dog. And, <laughs> and <laughs> so it's a big lesson. But yeah, imagine if you had a fear like that or if you're just a person who doesn't. And then one day you... You, you're working like normal and a dog comes up behind you probably and then sneaks off again and then comes back and then somehow you're in the hospital and you don't remember the rest. You know, and every time you hear a dog bark now, you get stressed out, you start to sweat, your heart goes, you're, you're all worried and now the dogs are picking up on that. You can't even do your job. Like, what's a bunch of treats compared to that? I was quite upset about it. And actually, you know, I chatted with a number of the postal workers and they agreed with me. I mean, you know, but they said, you know, it was now union regs that they couldn't carry treats. So, I mean, I find that 
you know, rather counterproductive and rather silly. You know, when I talked to Ian Dunbar on this issue a few years back, but California was, something was happening there regarding this, so we talked about it. And he said what he thinks would work, and it's American, so it's a little bit different than here, but he just said, you got to make the people who own the dog completely 100% liable for all the costs of the carrier that gets bit. Dog, one strike dog is apprehended one you know he was very 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 strict like more strict than i would ever want but he's saying you know the, the people have to pay and if they have to pay they'll fix their fences that was his argument is that it's all about your fences so i don't know what do you think about that well you know that helps in some ways and one of the things you have to do is you have to, you know, educate the people. I mean, but the, this is a university professor talking. University professors believe that education solves everything. Um, <laughs> but Educate the carrier, educate the owner, educate everybody that, in between. That, that's right. But he's absolutely right that if people recognize that they're responsible for, you know, the behavior of their dog, that begins to, you know, change the dynamic. It at least changes the dynamic in those situations where the dog is kept in a front yard and the mailman has to pass through the front yard, you know, if he if he's going to go drop off the mail. But I'm not sure that that's the, that that's the full answer because again, you know, if the dog is expecting that this individual who's coming through is going to toss them a treat and is a friend then the dog's also not going to react. So, you know, there are two sides to that coin. And, you know, it might well be the case that you can kickstart it with penalties, but I think that if you want to sustain it and and sustain sort of people's positive feelings for the postal workers, then you do it on a more friendly thing. You know, I like the postal worker because my dog likes him too, (laughs) kind of thing. Yeah, it's a tough sell. I'm sure if the postal workers were listening to the show, they would be thinking that they like cats better when they go to a house, oh. <laughs> seeing a cat on the porch. Oh, <laughs> Maybe oh. not, though. Maybe not. Some cats can be pretty aggressive, hey? Well, I, I was talking with a postal worker at one of these meetings, and he said, well, he said, you know, cats can be pretty mean, too. He said, he said I was delivering some mail, and there was this cat on this high wooden fence uh, as I was coming around. And the cat leapt on me, you know, with a claw straight down. And he, he, you know, and he's got a bald head. <laughs> and the cat no. had a bald old bald head and, you know, left claw marks on there. So he was not no. exactly pleased about this. <laughs> it's true. Cats can be defensive of territory and property. And I don't think people even think about that when their mail is being delivered. I mean, it's like you're asking. I mean, you're asking for your mail. So you should make it safe for the carrier. Well, and, and people forget that some cats, like, like the Siamese cats, were used as temple guard cats. They just sort of left them in areas around where there were little artifacts which people might want to reach out and touch and that sort of thing. And the cat's job was to just act nasty and you know, drive them off the way that a guard dog would. How do they do that? Do they put food? Is that where they fed them? Right near the artifacts, so that they yeah they fed them you know right there and put a you know a a, a bed sort of a, a soft area for them to lay down, and then basically had strangers approach the cat and if if the cat didn't do something the strangers would sort of poke at them and the only Aww. ones who who wouldn't be who wouldn't poke at them would be the trainers. So, I mean, it, yeah, you know. I hate the way things are done so harshly. It doesn't have to be done that way. I once trained a dog to do a similar task. At one point, 
years and years ago when I was a university student, one of the things I did in the summer while I was on call to work the ferries had a lot of time to kill. And I would take my dog and go to the only beach that allowed for dogs and I would sell watermelon down there. But I had a huge pack and, you know, ice and carriers, coolers, all sorts of stuff, sign. So I would go to the area where I could only park for a second, drop off the dog and the stuff, and I would do the same thing. I gave him a little food there and I'd always have some of his food in the pack, some of his treats. Mm-hmm. I'd tell him to stay, and I'd go park my car, and it sometimes was a short trip, sometimes it was long. But when I, I got back there, I knew my pack was going to be completely not touched by you know, my wolf cross <laughs> would be sitting beside it, proudly watching over his kibble and his treats, you know? Not a question in my mind that my pack was going to be raided. And people would always tell me, they'd, they'd look at me, they'd go, good dog. And I'd know that that was a person who'd made an attempt or thought about it, you know? But they, <laughs> it's like, Yeah. You're right, he is. Keep walking. Keep walking, you know. And, uh, yeah, I never, I never had any problems there. Other people got robbed, mugged, pestered. I never had any problems. But, uh, but that was thanks to Mike, you know. And when people would harass me, I would say, talk to Mike. And they'd be like, who's Mike? I'd say, there he is there. Talk to Mike. You know, that was the answer. He was the refund department, too. Reminds, and, me, uh, very, reminds me very much of a story which somebody uh, told me that uh, – uh, she had a latchkey kid who, you know, because she was working, uh, right. a, single, a single mom. And so the child would come home from school about, you know, 3.15 or 3.30 or something like that and would, you know, open the door and let herself in. And she would arrive about an hour later from work. Anyway, one day the child, you know, forgot the key and the mother noticed it and was still hanging on the door. So she called the school and she said to the school secretary, could you, could you tell Billy that um, I'll leave the key with Rosie. And, Rosie's uh, the dog, right? And well, the secretary said, you know, uh, well, does he know who Rosie is? And she, she said, yeah, will Rosie be home? Yes, Rosie's always home. And it turns <laughs> out that Rosie was a Rottweiler. <laughs> so she just simply hung the key on, on the Rottie's uh, That's collar. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, and left her out in the yard. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That is perfect. Nobody else can touch that. I mean, really. Like, who else can get that key or would dare to try to get that key off of Rottweiler's collar? Nobody. Gotcha. But the kid's going to be greeting her first anyway and giving her kisses anyway. You may as well get the key off the collar. That is genius. Oh, yeah. That's great. You know, I once went to do a lesson for these people who had a little mini, um, what do you call them, affin pincher. You know, tiny, like the dog in oh, X, yeah, yep. X-Men, yep. was it? little tiny, or maybe it's a Brussels griffin. Russell's Griffin Affin Pincher. That's right. That's the whole name. Anyway, little squished in face, hairy little thing about the size of your shoe. And it was acting up or not listening or something. I can't remember. But I came over and this big, giant Cane Corso comes out to greet me. And he's just like stunning. You know, he's the color of a wire around. He's got a head like a cow and he's just all happy. And he goes right away over to my dog truck and pees on the tires and he's and without thinking you know i'm i'm at this farm and i'm about to go in and give the lesson to this little wee dog and without thinking i go click click my alarm and then i go click click and he goes beep and the man in the house comes out and he goes oh come on don't insult the dog (laughs) and i realized you're right like who do i think is going to break into the yard with the cane corso to steal my dog truck like why am i alarming this car the dog has just peed on it he has said i will die for your truck you know i mean he's like so i so i unlocked and i'm like you're right sorry you know went in the house but yeah you got to give animals credit you definitely do i love that story with the rottweiler that's great Oh, well, I think we've used up all our time. Is there anything else you want to say about dogs well, and cats and cats and dogs? And- 
I mean, I mean, I look, think the best the best is to have them both because you kind of get different things from different animals. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I I heard an, an interesting tale in which um, there was a Labrador Retriever and uh, some kids, some rather nasty kids in a neighborhood gang, had thrown this cat into uh, uh, a pond, and were just you know keeping it away from the shore, and the poor cat was likely to drown. Anyway, the the lab, uh, seeing this thing out over there, jumped into the water and dragged it back and brought it back to the shore. And the kids just grabbed it from the dog and threw it back in. Anyway, the uh, the lab uh, went out again and fetched the dog and this time swam to the far shore and then brought the cat into the house and laid it down next to the, to the hot air register and wouldn't let anybody in the family come close until it was quite clear that they were going to, you know, be kind to the cat. And they kept they kept the cat, and the cat slept with the dog, and they just named the cat, you know, Lucky. <laughs> because, you know. Yeah, I hope someone got on those kids, though, and called their parents, because this kind of thing, they've done so many studies on it, and when kids are mean to animals, it's a sign, usually, that somebody's being mean to the kids. Usually. So it's an alarm bell that should be going off. But it's also a sign that they're going to get meaner and extend beyond just animals to other children and people. And it's nasty stuff beginning that you want to catch right away. Those kids were not okay, that group of kids. In fact, there's a wonderful study, I mean, wonderful study with a sad outcome, which looked at uh, 23 uh, serial killers and found that every single one of them had a history of animal abuse when they were young. So uh, you're right, it is a marker, something which we don't want to see. But the, the flip side of that is it clearly shows that dogs can be very noble toward cats and can really form lasting friendships with them. Well, that's a great way to end this show about cats and dogs. So if you all want to check out more on this topic, listen to the last episode we did for Animal Party Pet Life Radio. And I'll tell you again, if you want to see some beautiful standard poodle puppies, actually coming into this world being well being born into the world it happened on the same day as the royal wedding and they're all red and there's seven of them and they're all great and they're lovely and you can look there's more pictures up there too and there's pictures on my deborah wolf pet expert on facebook site if you want to check them out but the live video of the actual birth of the puppies is now at deborahwolfonline.com And if you subscribe for free, then you get a one-page newsletter each month. No junk, no ads, no nothing. It just tells you what's going on with me. So if you want to, with a click, you can find my latest radio shows and my latest blogs. And just put your paw on the pulse of the animal world. So everybody, thank you. And thanks, Stan. Thanks for coming to the party again, Dr. Corin, author of Born to Bark. Oh, it's been great. It's been great. You had to represent dogs and cats a little today. And we'll have to... Woof and meow, huh? (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll have to... We talked to Arlene. I don't know. We'll maybe have to plant some catnip to get her back in the studio and talk really nicely in a quiet voice if we want her to come, maybe. It's been great having you again, Stan. So thank you. All right. Okay, everybody. Be good to your animals until we talk next time at Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tapper Wolf. Be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.